Welcome to this week's teaching from Exchange Church in the heart of Belfast. I've been talking to you about how this year is um, the, the year 2023 in Hebrew is Kaf Gamel. And I've been using that over the whole course of uh, January because 23 in Hebrew, um, I'll keep reminding you of this, uh, signifies open palms. So it's the, open, it's the openness of God, his hands towards you, outstretched to bless you and to favor you this year. Also, the, the, when the palms of God are down, they cover sin. They open up to welcome you and to bless you. And then it's, so I've been encouraging you this year to go, that is what the Lord has for you. He's not angry. He's not cross. He's not disappointed. He's, he's not ticking you against the list of you should try harder. He loves you dearly. And everything that the Lord does for you when you're in Christ is to bring you into a deeper understanding and experience of what his promise means in real life. Do you get that? That's what he wants for you. And so um, I, I've encouraged you over January to go, there are things that have been dead in your life. And sometimes life is just disappointing, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it is for me. I don't know about you. Uh, but, you know, you've all oh, definitely not, Pastor. We're so holy. We just kind of cruise through. Brilliant. Good for you. Sometimes I get disappointed. Sometimes I look over the course of my life, leading church, doing whatever, and I think, flip, I wish that had been different, or I wish it could be different. Or when I look forward, I kind of go, do I have hope in my heart for what God could do? And sometimes that, that's strong, and sometimes it's not. All right? Don't judge me. I can't just think that's real life. And I think that one of the things is that the promise of God is there are things in your life this year, these, the open hands of God are saying, because in 23 together, so calf gamel together, that's what it means. You put it together, it means bringing things that are dead to resurrection life. And trying to encourage you this year that the Lord is putting his finger on things in your life that you have felt are dead that they're gone, that there's no way back for you, or there's no way you could see this thing come to pass. And the Lord goes, hey, I ain't finished with you yet. I'm not done with you yet. When, when my spirit moves and the spirit of my grace touches anything, dead things come to life. All right? So don't let your head... Yeah, but we've got up... What I said was partner in faith over that. Uh, because um, it's, not, it's not flesh and it's not law whenever we have to activate, whenever we have to positively respond to the in, in faith. And that, and that involves action. That involves doing something different, not in order to get God to do something, but because he's already done it for you. You have to respond positively. If you sit on your thumbs, right, you're not gonna see the goodness of God as he is laying it out for you because he won't force it on you, right? He says, trust me, because it's about deepening trust. I think that's the point. The, the, more, the greater the experience of God in your life is based on a relationship where you learn to trust him, where you take steps of faith. He proves himself to be faithful and it builds you for greater things. That's why many of us, you know, that's why many of us will struggle. You know, if I use the analogy of David, we have Goliaths in our life that we go out to fight all the time. And normally these Goliaths appear and they, they tower over us and they paralyze us. And what we do is we kind of go, oh, well, you know, I, I read about David. And what he did is he got the sling, the five stones of grace, and he went out and yinged one, right? Okay, we well, yinged one. How do you spell fast is that? <laughs> Yinging stones, right? He yinged this stone and hit, the, hey, man, I can do that. And then you go out and face your Goliath, or your, and then all of a sudden your Goliath's massive and the glass's not shifting, and you go, this grace stuff doesn't work. But with what we fail to recognize is that for years and years and years, David fought the land and the bear. He fought the land and the bear. Out of sight, his stage at the, when Goliath came in front of the whole nation, in front of the king, to save a nation was not where he did his learning. Do you get that? It was in the quiet place. It was on the mountains. It was looking after sheep where nobody else saw it, where things would come, and he would learn to grow in confidence in what God had put in him. Don't fight Goliath if you haven't learned to fight the lion and the bear because you'll end up disappointed. Now, God will do a miracle, all right? But you're not called to live from miracle to miracle. You're called to live blessed. Amen. Big difference. Thank God if we need a miracle, he is good to supply one, amen. But that's, you know, miracle to miracle is not God's best for your life. Absolutely not. You're called to live above, to be seated in a place of rest above the things of this world. They may come and press in against you, okay? But as Adam has said this morning, he has set a table before us in the presence of our enemies. 
that example of, you know, in that psalm, whenever the, the table is laid, what it means is that your enemies can come because in those days when they would lay a table in the middle of the village, actually what would happen is everyone would see who was feasting and those who stood against you had to stand and watch as you were entertained by the head person, right? And they couldn't put a finger on you. Why? Because you were under the protection of the king. Isn't that amazing? That's where you sit this morning. It's good news. It's really good news. And so I want to start this series uh, about uh, Rise because um, it's it's looking at the barriers that that stop us from walking in faith. Do you get that? Because sometimes it's helpful to kind of go, what are the things that, that potentially limit us? From whenever we hear the call of, of, of grace in our lives, and the Lord says, stand in faith, right? Stand in faith and take steps of faith, particularly around things like money, health, all that kind of stuff, right? Because if you just want to replay the same old scenes, you'll replay the same old scenes. That's what's going to happen. It's not the Lord's fault. It's just we haven't partnered. We haven't activated with him. And so what happens is there are things you, you've got to, you know, and I'm going to go a wee bit deeper this morning, hopefully, to go... Um, it's no point just going, I want to have more faith and I feel afraid and all the rest of it. It's like, get to the root of it and go, what are the things that block me from walking in faith into that which grace has provided? Do you get that? In those moments when you struggle, what's the root of it? Because if you get to the root of it, then you're able to move much more quickly and you're able to deal with stuff. Does that make sense? There's no point in fritting around the edges, flitting around the edges and fritting around the edges. That's the same thing, okay? There's no point in doing that. You want to get to the root You want to let the Lord speak to you about the root. And when you get to there, actually what happens is from the inside out, grace starts to flow. Stop trying to worry about outside in living. You weren't designed that way. You were designed to live from the inside out. Grace changes you on the inside so that your outside world changes. So let's have a look at this. uh, I'm going to give you some verses. You might want to write some of them down. Because um, we need not to forget Right? Above all of, this, above all of this, this stuff we're going to talk about in Rise, Jesus said, uh, him, it's, he made it really, really clear time and time again what his mission was. John 10, 10, the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Okay? Now remember, eternal life in Luke 10, the same words, isn't about the future. It's not about if you've been brought up in a religious environment, eternal life is, is when you die and you go to heaven, but that's not the word that Jesus uses. It's, it's the quality of the age that you live in today. Believers, for us, we live in eternal life now. And what Jesus was saying is, it's not the future, it's the experience, the, in experiencing the quality of God life right now. Do you get that? That's why Jesus came. And it's easy to lose the point. You can have circumstances, people, sickness, trouble, worry, stress, and forget the fact that every day the Lord says, I came so that you could experience me in fullness in the middle of it all. That's the whole point. And because he actually says this, doesn't he, in John 17, 4, and this is eternal life. This is eternal life, that what? That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So eternal life for us means right now, This is the quality of God life. I don't know what kind of quality you have in your life. I want God quality life every day. I want grace-filled, anointed living every day. For me and my family, I want to go from grace to grace and glory to glory every day. And do you know what's really good about that? The Lord says, brilliant, so do I. You're aligning with me there because this is eternal life that you might know me up here. No, you might live me is actually what that word means. You might experience me. And so we're going to look at that because that's the promise of God. That's the truth of God for you today. Amen. All right. And I want to look particularly over the next few weeks at the things that are going to uh, kind of get in the way of that. Look at 1 Timothy 6, 12 for me, if we have it up there, because this is not going to be about God's done his bit and now I do mine. That's not what it's about. We're told in scripture to fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of what? eternal life for which you were called, right? So the only fight that we're going to have in 2023, the only fight you're ever called for in the the Bible is not for anything else other than stay in faith. Do you get that? You don't have to fight principalities and powers. 
Number one, you're not equipped for it. Number two, they're already defeated. That's what Jesus did. You don't need to fight with the economic circumstances of the world today. Why? Because the Lord says he sits above it all. He owns the cattle of a thousand hills and he is your source. You don't need to fight for your future. Why? Because the Lord says, the one who says, I hold you today and my plans are to give you hope and a future has already gone in front of you this week. You don't need to worry about your past and your mistakes. Why? Because the Lord says, as far as the east is from the west, so far have I removed every bit of transgression from you. Do you get me? All of the things that, that will come into our lives this year to rob us of, of, of what the inheritance that God has for us this year are actually a false fight. They're, 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 they're fake news. Do you get that? The only thing you, we have got to keep our minds on is this, is righteousness. Fight the fight of righteousness. Keep yourself persuaded that you are totally acceptable to God, that he loves you, that his hands are open to you every day. And you know what happens? When you do that, the goodness of God flows from the inside out and your life is changed. Amen? Oh, brilliant. Some of you anyway. Yes. Some of you are going, oh, I'm so sure about that. Uh. <laughs> so it's about staying in faith persuaded of your standing as a righteous child of God. And so in order to stay in faith, now this is the thing, there are some things that we need to recognize. There are some things that we need to recognize in order to reject them to stand in faith. Because there are things around us and in us right now that are robbers. They steal from us. They steal from that place of assurance of God's goodness. You know, and I'm going to just say to you today that this week, what I want you to have different in your head and your heart is that when you start to recognize it in yourself, then you can begin to reject it. You know, a Bible study a couple of weeks ago, I talked about how we make things personal, even though they're not permanent, even though they're not pervasive, you know, these kind of things we were talking about. This Wednesday is going to be a belter, by the way. You need to be there. All about identity. And uh, sure, that's not a hot topic for today, right? And, uh, <laughs> and uh, so here's the thing, Right? And there's something about us training ourselves to recognize in a moment what happens and then to replace it with what the promise of God is. Not just to allow whatever comes our way to push us from pillar to post so we don't know whether we're stuffed or mounted. But in that thing to go, I recognize this. It's not the spirit of the Lord speaking to me. It's something else. And so I reject it. Let's look at the first big one today. All right? Because, you know, it's, it's interesting to me that the world right now and Christians, they're dealing you know, we're, we're trying to deal, do you know what the problem for me is? We're trying to deal with the symptoms of stuff. There's sickness, there's stress, there's anxiety, there's worry. Like there's millions of books and articles written on how to deal with all those, all right? Around 70%, actually, if, if you talk to um, some, certainly around GP circles, they'll say 70% of what they deal with in terms of sickness is rooted in mental health issues, right? Huge numbers of sickness rooted in stress and in worry. And do you know what the, the truth of it is? You know, the, the world only goes so far. But we, there's only so much we can medicate people before we kind of go, we're not dealing with the issue. Do you get that? Now, thank God for medicine. I'm not anti it. That is a gift of God to help us. Uh, we're not these people who go, oh, medicine's terrible. You have no faith. Shut up, all right? If I've got a headache at times, right, I just take a penicillin. Or, no, I don't. Uh, what That's, do you know what? Years it taken. That's why I can't even coordinate my colours, right? What do you take? What are, the, what are those things you give me? That's the ones. Thank you. I take some of those, right? <laughs> Penicillin. What the heck, right? Does that mean Jesus doesn't love me? Don't be stupid. It's a gift of God, right? Do I pray? Of course I do. Do I take communion? Yeah. But sometimes, right? I just pop a pill. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> There's a clip for the internet right there, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Druggy pastor encourages congregation. <laughs> and for a fiver, if you see me after the service, I'll see you right. <laughs> I'm totally joking on nine people. But here's the point, right? <laughs> it's, like, it's like leaves on a plant. We're treating the wrong thing. We need to go beneath the soil. We need to get deeper, right? And we've got to figure out what sits underneath all of those things. And let the Lord speak right into it. And do you know what the deepest root of all of it is? It's not stress. It's not worry. It's not fear. It's not anxiety. The deepest root of all is condemnation. Condemnation. 
Christians who don't believe that God, you know, like, what is it, Ray, the way Ray Bevan puts it? He said, tired and whatever Christians serving an angry God. Right? I can't remember what way he puts it, but it really struck me clearly. And I want to minister into this today because I'm going to show you from the Word because actually there are three things that happen in your life. And once you start to recognize it, you can start to reject it and replace it with the grace of God. Does that make sense? So let's have a look. The, the, the deeper root of stress. So if, if, what, what happens when you feel stressed? You know that feeling of, ooh, I feel stressed. I feel stressed. Anyone? Like, I was driving down the road yesterday going, my, my whole wardrobe's a nightmare. You know what I mean? <laughs> what are they going to say? You know what I mean? <laughs> Honestly, it was like, that. you're eating like, ah, going, brown sauce, everyone look at him. Look at the cut of him. Honestly, ah, right? <laughs> But there were seeds of stress sown into my life yesterday morning. Right? And that stress was caused by fear. Fear of what the men would say. No, in all seriousness, when, when you feel stressed about something, stress, what, what happens? What, what's that a symptom of? Let's just follow it through so you can see. Uh, part of it, yeah, is disobedience, right? But there's, there's fear, right? Is sits underneath stress, right? So whatever you're afraid of, it could be like not having enough, a fear of death, a fear of lack, a fear of future, right? What happens is that it manifests itself in terms of stress in your body, etc. Do you get that? And in your mind. What sits underneath the feeling of stress is fear, fear of what's going to happen or not. Do you know that's just as far as medicine can go? Because what medicine then does is go, right, right, well, actually, if you've got let these emotions and stuff going on, you're feeling stressed and you're afraid, what we'll do is we'll just kind of work on that level. So we'll get you evened out. And, and, and sometimes I'm, I'm not against it. I'm really not. No condemnation. But the problem is, where did that come from? If stress is on the outside, fear is on the inside, what was at the root of it all? And what does the gospel have to do with it anyway? Do you get my point? So actually what the Bible tells us is something really clear. It's that the deepest root of everything is this thing called condemnation. Because whenever you feel condemned, I'm going to explain it in a moment, you'll be afraid. And whenever you feel afraid, you're going to exhibit stress. And when there's stress, what happens? All the manifestations of the curse come out. Sickness, anxiety, your body, your mind, your relationships. So when you're afraid, you feel stressed, but we're... We, what do we feel afraid of? What, where did that come from? We feel condemned, actually. So what actually the Lord says, he actually gives it to you in the word. And he says, I'm going to minister into that. You know, if we look at Adam as an example, not our Adam, but the one in the Bible, okay? Adam was planted in the middle of a finished work. You get that? When the Lord created Eden, you know, Adam was planted right into the middle of it all. And it was absolutely perfect. And everything was prepared for him. He didn't have to work. He didn't have to do... Everything was prepared. But what happened is the enemy comes along and told him that he needed to do something to qualify himself for all the things that actually he was already qualified for. Do you get that? And so what happens is the devil gives him like this mistaken sense of identity. You can read it in Genesis chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. It says this. It, the enemy said, you'll, you'll surely not die, Adam. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, talking about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Right? Now, read with me. Before there was poverty or sickness or death in Adam's life, there was stress. Right? How do we know that? Well, actually, if you keep reading in Genesis 3.19, it says, In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. And sweat in the Bible always talks about stress and self-effort. So anytime you read about sweat, so that's why like the priests wore linen so that they wouldn't, you know, it was this physical thing of you'll not, you'll not sweat because sweat was about work and toil. So when you see those words in, particularly in the Old Testament, it talks about self-effort. Now, if you go a wee bit deeper, you'll also find here that there was fear, Genesis 3 verse 10. And, and you know, you know what Adam said to God when, when God asked him where he was? He said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and so I hid myself, right? 
He was fearful. So what you see is the deeper root of stress here is fear, but before he was fearful, he felt condemned. Why? Because he had broken the law. Does that make sense? That's why Adam felt condemned. Why did he feel condemned? When he was planted like you and I are into a finished work, what happened to lead him to a place where he was, he, he, was, he was stressed and fearful? Why would he hide himself from God, right? And turn from God. But he was planted to walk with God in, the, you know, like in, in perfect communion. He was condemned. Where did it come from? Well, let, let's read here. When he, as soon as he took of the tree of good and evil, right? Now, this was not the tree of evil or the tree of sin, right? It was the knowledge of, the good, of good and evil. Big difference, right? And so what does that mean? So he didn't eat sin. The tree spoke of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, what's that a picture of? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil in, the, in Scripture is a picture of the law. Because it's the law that gives us today the knowledge of good and evil. That's what Romans 3.20 says, isn't it? By the law is the knowledge of sin. So God didn't give the law to us to make us holy. We know that. God gave us the law so that we would know that we are never going to make it. That we are sinners and we are in trouble and we need help. The law didn't come to save you. It came to point you to the one who would save you. That's the point. And so Adam, Adam's root of condemnation comes because he's now aware, right? He gave himself to the knowledge of good and evil. He gave himself to the law. And where the law is, it brings condemnation. So don't think of the law as about doing right or doing wrong. That's what religion will tell you. You know, God didn't ever set the law out for that purpose. He, it, the law condemns. If you, if you don't believe me, read in 2 Corinthians 3. Let me read it for you. It says, now, if the ministry of death, listen to this, if the ministry of death, that's pretty straight, carved in letters on stone, what's that talking about? Ten Commandments, right? There are people t today who go, what we need is we need more of the Ten Commandments. I go, are you bonkers? There's not one of us. The whole point is not one of us is ever going to live to it. Not even close. Because it'll not even be the things that you do, it'll be all the things that you don't do condemns you just the same way, right? Are they bad? Absolutely not. Are we antinomianist? What does that mean? It means lawless. It's a big theological word that's level at people who preach grace at times. Go, oh, you're antinomianism, right? No, we're not. It's kind of going, there's absolutely no way you can keep it. You can make a really good effort at it and you'll fail at your first attempt, your second attempt, your third attempt, Right? But you're missing the purpose of the law. It was never, ever to show you what to do to get right with God. It was to show you that you were right royally in the middle of the doo-doo. And you were never getting out of it. I just said doo-doo in a sermon. <laughs> and nobody laughed. Thank goodness. Let me not draw attention to it and move on. All right? Where the heck did that come from? Let's keep going. Carved in letters of stone. Came, now listen to this, came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of the, its glory. What he's trying to say is this, even its imperfection, when the law was given to Moses, like, you know, you know, like Moses, he comes down and he's like, like remember the Cecil B. DeMille movie? No? And he's like glowing, right? He's like a ready brick guy on steroids, just oh, really mad glowing, right? Because there's glory in this, which was uh, being brought to an end. Will not, ex will not uh, the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory. What did we talk about on Wednesday night? What is the ministry of the Holy Spirit? To lead you into an encounter with Jesus and his finished work, right? So um, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory, now listen to this, if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, there he's at it again, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Church, like l learn this stuff, all right? Know this stuff. Your, your effort Right? And your best effort to do your best for God will only ever leave you in a worse place than when you started. Isn't that crazy? That's why, because it's the ministry of death. Those are strong words, aren't they? And you kind of go, wow, but that's what the, that's what the word says. It's a ministry of condemnation, right? So you, have I set the scene for you? So what happens is, when you feel stressed in your life, it's because you're feeling afraid about something. 
Now, I've talked on fear before, and fear is where you're, where you esteem, when you look at a situation and you esteem that situation against what you can do, and you see that there's a gap, then in that gap, fear comes, okay? That's where, that, that's where fear, the, the emotion of fear comes from. And now what we're learning today is, oh, going all the way back to Adam, as soon as he became aware of right and wrong, the knowledge of good and evil, it brought a whole different thing into his life. It was condemnation. Because condemnation is the... Because without that, he would never have been afraid of God. Do you get that? It was only at the point where he became aware of good and evil that then the fear came because he realized that he had messed up. Does that make sense? That's why we've got to get to the root of it, the deepest root of it all, and allow the Holy Spirit himself to minister grace upon grace into that part of our lives, deep on the inside, so that it flows into everything else. Let, let me, is this okay? Are we enjoying it? Brilliant. Okay, so uh, um, you might be thinking, this is all dead interesting, but what the heck has the law got to do with my problems today? I've got 99 problems and the law ain't one, or whatever that song is, right? <laughs> No? Well, I'll tell you what it's got exactly to do with your problems. You know, there is an enemy today, and he's smarter than any psychiatrist, he's smarter than any psychologist, and he's smarter than most believers in the church today. And what he does not do, see, what we're doing in the world today is we're running around on peripherals flitting around at the edges. Still can't get that word right. What is it? Hanging around the edges, dealing with the edges, doing all that stuff around the outside stuff. And the enemy, do you know what? He's really happy for us to do that. Just knock yourself out. Do that. You know, distract yourself with whatever, all right? Because it keeps you away from the main thing. Because his first name is not thief or murderer, although he comes to steal, to kill, or to destroy, right? His first name is Satan, which is Hebrew for prosecutor at law or accuser. Now think about this. You know, the role of a pro... What does a prosecutor do in a court of law? Well, he's there to prosecute, but he's there to condemn you, right? If you ever find yourself in that position, and I hope you don't, right? A prosecutor is never going to talk about what... You know, he's not a bad fella, you know? He's not going to stand there and go, ah, well, we've got this kind of incident going on, but truly, I've had a word with him. He seems all right. Do you know, I mean, it's not going to, can you imagine? What do they do? They go for the throat. They go for the jugular, right? And they're, they're never going to talk about what makes you good, your good points. He's going to bring up all the dirty laundry and relentlessly point the finger and accuse you until you feel condemned. And what, what's interesting is when we're all distracted with the outside stuff, the work of the enemy in the church today is to go to the root, which is, J'accuse, I accuse you, right? Do you see what he does? And says we've got to be aware of the methodia, the wiles of the enemy, right? To go, don't get distracted by trying to deal on the outside stuff. Let the Lord minister right to your core in terms of what it means to live free from condemnation because that's where he's got you because at the root of your fear and your stress is condemnation. Right? Let me explain this a wee bit more. Because he goes right to the root of your problems. He doesn't come along to you and say, look, you know what? Just uh, don't go to church. Don't do this. Don't do that. You know, or, you know, don't give your money. He doesn't do that, right? He, he'll say things like, you call yourself a good dad? You call yourself this? Do you really think that you're anything more than? He goes right to the root of who you believe yourself to be and he doesn't take his foot off your throat ever. Relentless, relentless. But thank God for Jesus, right? Just recognize it because in your fear, right? And let me tell you why, if, why um, this is important, okay? Because it's subtle and that's why condemnation normally goes undetected. And here's the good news for you today. You're, what I'm preaching, he has no other tactic. Do you know he can't put his hand on you? Do you get that? Don't, don't worry about, you know, every morning, if you want, speak Psalm 91 over you and your family. Believe in the protection of God Almighty over you and yours, over your businesses, over your homes, over your children. The Lord never takes his eye off you. He never slumbers. He never sleeps. He's always watching over you. 
And as I said last week, whether you pray every day, you don't, he never takes his eyes off you anyway. Why? Because he loves you, all right? And so the thing is, when we know that, all right, it's like what we have to understand is this, is that, you know, the, the devil doesn't have any other weapon other than accusation. That's what his name is. I accuse you, so that's all he can do. Now, if you can stand against that and recognize it, you're going to live in faith. Now, let's uh, have a look at what this actually, actually means, okay? It's, um, if, we, if we go to like one of the most famous chapters, it's called the victory chapter in the Bible. I'm going to read it in two different versions for you. It's Romans chapter 8. Because this is where it says, therefore, now there is no condemnation. I'm just going to write, you might want to write some of these words down because they're really phenomenal. So whenever we, we look at this first, we've all heard it like 5,000 times, right? Uh, therefore, now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, let's actually have a look at this. Because if, if, if the thing to stand in faith and believe for God's goodness this year is about rejecting, recognizing and rejecting the, the, the wiles of the enemy in your life, okay, then you need, to have, you, you, just don't, you need to have the word for that. Do you get that? You need to have the promise of Jesus for it. And this is when Paul was writing to the Christians in Rome, and he's just laid out over seven chapters in the most incredible way. It's called his, it's called the, the epistle is the masterpiece of grace, uh, the book of Romans. And he's laid out incredibly what's wrong with people at the beginning, how we're righteous by faith, we're set free from the law, and et cetera, et cetera. And then he gets to this bit, Romans 8, before he's going to go on and talk about Israel and the relationship of Israel to the church. And he goes, but look, therefore now there is no condemnation. Therefore is the word ara in Greek, A-R-A. And what it means is, under these circumstances, the circumstances that he's just described, which is you're righteous by faith, you're set free from law. So this word means it follows that. In the light of all that's been said, right? Now is a word numb. It means immediately. It means in this very moment, all right? Not tomorrow, not next week, not at some point in the future. It follows that right now, there's the first two words, there is no. Now, this is a word called oudeis in Greek. It's a powerful negating conjunction. And what it does is it rules out by definition. It shuts the door and leaves no exceptions, right? So what it's saying is this. If you are a believer, in light of everything that's been said, if you're a believer right now, no exceptions, no, by definition, a believer is not condemned. And then he says, so that's udeus. And then he uses the word condemnation. And this is probably what's going to help you the most. It's a word catacrima. You've heard me use it lots of times. What happens, here's the root of it. This is why you feel afraid and you can't boldly go to God in grace and say, Lord, I speak and I believe this over my life because your word says it, and as a believer, and as your son, that is my right. right? We understand that, but when our hearts are afraid, what's going on? Well, when, when we do things wrong, when we have the knowledge of what is right and wrong, okay, and we all have that, in the moment, it's not about what you do per se, right? Because when we do something wrong, we understand it. But we all know, don't we, that when something happens or there's somebody has made a mess or there's a mistake, there's a price to be paid for that. Do you get it? That's what condemnation is. Condemnation is not what you did because most of us could go, I can't change it and I'll resolve in my head to kind of live at peace with it. But that gnawing sense of failure and somebody's got to pay for that is the thing that brings us down. Who's going to pay the price? You know, you see it with your kids. We see it with our kids, you know, um, like with the girls. It's a flipping sketch at times because, you know, it's like, you know, she did that. Then, so what's happening? You know, it's like the sword of Damocles, to use that expression, dangling over one of their heads, just ready to fall. You know, it's like, mommy, she did this. Like, go on, mommy. Wield the axe, you know what I mean? It's like they can't wait. They love it, don't they? They just love to go, oh, Watch what happens here. Now watch what happens next because, whew, no iPad for you tonight. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's really interesting with, with Sophie, as an example, is um, even if, if hope was to pull the head of Sophie and there's tears and all that sort of stuff, if we say one thing to Sophie or to hope, like, what were you doing? Sophie cries. <laughs> it's like, hold on a minute. We're trying to deal with this for you. And Sophie's like... <laughs> Don't do that to her. <laughs> you know. Luckily, they're so, they take after me. They're so good. We'll hardly ever have to have that conversation. 
But do you know what happens? Like, it's the punishment that follows being condemned. It's actually, katakrima means this. It's the exact sentence that's handed down, at, listen, after due process. It's the state and the punishment that comes from that. I did this. I know, that it's, I know the difference between right and wrong, and I know what I did wrong. There's been due process. We're not ignoring the mess and the sin. The process says it's there and it's real. And so somebody's got to pay. And what grace does is steps into your life and goes, whatever it is, I've paid it. Whatever it was, whenever it was, with whoever it was, it doesn't matter. My grace covers it all. And because I was punished for you, you will never be punished again, the Lord says. Somebody say amen. amen. Can I tell you this? You, you know, the Lord has no interest. If you are a new covenant, faith-filled, spirit-filled believer in Jesus today, he will never punish you. It's not in his head and it's not in his heart. It's not in his intention for you. He loves you. He will walk his love into your life, his spirit into your life to bring you from the inside out. He's got no plan to punish his own people. Do you get that? That's the grace of God. So every time, right, you feel like, oh my goodness, all right, what's happening here? It's not just that feeling of feeling bad. What happens is, we feel afraid because we can't go to God for what we need in full faith. How could I go to God and believe? How could I go to him and ask whenever I know that I am wrong most of the time and then somebody's got to pay for that? And how do I pay for it? Well, I can't boldly go to God and believe in faith. How could I? I stand condemned before you. And the Lord goes, you're not condemned. By definition, if you are a son or a daughter of Christ today, by definition, condemnation's ruled out. Oil and water, darkness and light. Amen. So understand it this week, okay? I'm gonna finish up in a minute because that's what's going on. Actually, at the root of it is we need to be in that place of, of, of receiving every day that, you know, through grace-filled messages, through worship, through encouragement and saying, Lord, underneath it all, because you know, most of us are really good at covering up, right? But we can never cover, you know, like when you look at yourself in the mirror or in those moments where nobody else is around, you know that you know, don't you? Yeah? Oh, thank God for Jesus. Because in that moment, he goes, no condemnation, no punishment. Now, here's the thing. If you in faith take that and you say, you know, because religion will have you going, no, you can't, you can't expect anything from God today. Because there's this. It's the accusing, 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 pointing the finger, always just with a finger in the wound. Accusing, accusing. And the point where you in faith go, you know what? Due process, all the rest of it, but that was all on him, and now I stand in freedom. And you give your heart and your mind to that truth, then just watch what the Lord works out everywhere else. Ministering right to the truth. Because that's what's wrong with the world today. All the pills in the world don't get to the thing of the human heart and that need for total acceptance, irrespective of what's going on. For total love, no matter what you've done. There's not a tablet in the world to do that. But that Jesus, he says, you know what? If the root of it, if the root of the human problem is the accusation of you at your core, then let me minister right into that with my grace and say, no, not for my people. Now you're free. Man, now you, can, now you can take a promise of God and say, for my future? You know, condemnation looks like this. Condemnation looks like this. I, uh, it's generally not around what you do. It's around who you are. You're not this. You don't have faith for, you'll never be, blah, blah, blah. It's generally the way, I'm going to talk about that next week, right? Um, but that's generally the way that condemnation works. And in fact, what we have to, you know, it's like fight the good fight of what? Batting that off, you can't bat it off. The only fight there is to say, no, I'm righteous. The word says, what does the word say about me? Not even so much what does the promise of God say about me, but what does the promise of God say about who I am? I'm going to talk about it on Wednesday night. 
Such a brilliant place to start. And let that, the Lord minister that deep into your heart. That's a beautiful truth that goes right to the root of the condition. You know, if I, again, you see it in our kids. See the moment with the girls, right? Where they, well, how do, how do I, like, our kids are great. Um, but they are great. They are great. There's no buts, actually. They're just flipping brilliant. Can I just talk about my kids and how wonderful they are? So on a Friday afternoon, Sophie will go with her wee friend Tilly, uh, you know, where we live near Ballyhack. She wants to go to the spa, right? Because um, it's a Friday treat. So her and wee Tilly go, but it's a, ver- it's a very busy road, Upper Newton Arch Road and stuff like that, North Road. So the, the rule is, right, the rule is you've got to go at the crossing, right? That's it, bottom line. Yes, no problem. She's not really very good. But anyway, on Friday, she just let it slip that, you know, the traffic had stopped on North Road, so her and Tilly crept between the cars and ran like mad across, and she was talking about it. And I was like, whoa, stop. What did you do? This is her standing with her 20-pack of Doritos that she'd, <laughs> she'd brought back, like, healthy much? So she was like, well, one bag's a pound, 20 bags, 3.99. What do you want me to do? Like, oh, couldn't leave them there, Dad, you know, this kind of thing, right? And I said, oh, and do you know what I have to do? Like, it's, you know, you never have to lift your hand anywhere near these kids. I just went, Sophie, I told you. I, it was just like that. I wasn't even shouting or bawling or yelling and getting on. I told you that the only way you can go to that shop is if you use that crossing. That's to keep you safe because people drive like maniacs up and down that road, even when the kids are getting out of school. Don't start me on that one. One day I'm going to stand in front of the traffic and go, right, get out. Do you and me have a word, right? <laughs> It's going to be in the Sunday life, but go with me, right? <laughs> Pastor duffs up <laughs> speeders past Strandtown Primary. Anyway, see, see in a moment, right? She's like, oh, and Sophie's a huffer, right? So she, she started to go, <laughs> stomping off, you know, <laughs> and I was like, get you back here a minute, right? Now, I'll tell you what happened. In that moment, relationship, she's not expecting anything from me. Do you get that? She's withdrawn because all I did was go, don't you do that. It's to keep you safe. Don't do it. Now, in her head, she's probably thinking, I'm never going to be able to go again to the spar. Do you get that? Think about what goes through, went through her wee head. Ah, oh, for flip's sake, I'm never going to the spar. I'll never see Tilly again. <laughs> you know, It's a Friday, which is iPad night in our house because they don't get it during the week. It's like, my iPad time's gone. I can't play Roblox. All this, what is, she, what is she thinking? I did something, so the result is going to be what? Punishment, right? Being the unbelievably well-tuned-in dad that I am, <laughs> brilliant parent, right? <laughs> Actually, what I did, this is so funny, I was like, I'll let Penny deal with that one, right? <laughs> when she gets home. But to, but to Sophie's eyes, it just looked like Daddy had said his bit, and that was it. There was nothing removed from her. There was no threat made in terms of, I see tonight, da, da, da. Do you get it? I didn't take anything away, but she knew exactly where she stood. But you know what happens in a moment there where there's no punishment? It's the old Sophie back. Da, 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 right? <laughs> Chatting away. Do you get it? So when we, she knew she wasn't being condemned, there was no fear and she didn't feel stressed. Does that make sense? I think that's what the Lord wants to minister into you in this series, Rise. Close your eyes, I'm going to read this whole chapter to you. Are you encouraged this morning? I want you to recognize in, a, in the moments this week, recognize, learn to train your mind and recognize when the enemy is accusing you. When you feel the fear and you feel the stress and the enemy is accusing you, recognize it, call it out and reject it. Let me um, read this over you. So what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's own children? Who would dare even to point a finger? The one who died for us, who was raised to life for us, is in the presence of God at this 
very moment sticking up for us. Do you think that anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between you and Jesus' love for you? There's no way. Not in trouble, not in hard times, not hatred. There's hunger or homelessness, bullying, threats, backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in Scripture. People try to kill us in cold blood because they hate us. In one way, we're sitting ducks, and they can pick us off. But none of that's going to face us because Jesus loves us. And I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between you and God's love for you because of the way that Jesus has embraced you. Amen? Father, I thank you for these words. I thank you, Father, that this morning there is no condemnation. We thank you, Father, that every bit of punishment for every bit of our wrongdoing was laid on you, Lord, and you willfully and willingly took it from us, Lord, so that we would never again be subject to punishment. Divine punishment is not our inheritance. Lord, I thank you that right now you're ministering Lord, where people, you're ministering into failure. I just have a strong sense of the Lord right now where people have felt like I'm a failure. I messed up. I did this. I did that. And it's, your eyes are on you. And the Lord says, lift up your eyes and look at me. And you'll see in his eyes this morning as he looks gaze to gaze, there is nothing between you. Height nor depth angelic, demonic, will ever separate you from God's love. He's ministering that love deep into you right now. He's saying that where you are not enough, he is more than enough. Where he's saying where you messed it up, I'm the one who redeems. I'm the one who works my grace and everything towards good. You can boldly, boldly come to me, the Lord says in any moment. With accusations ringing in your ears, the Lord says, come to me, speak to me, commune with me, and you'll receive grace upon grace upon grace. So Father, for every fear in here, I pray that you give those people revelation as to where the, the root in their own lives. Lord, Holy Spirit, that you would show us the areas where grace needs to do its work. And Father, we're open for that because, Lord, this year we want to go from grace to grace and glory to glory. Father, we say no to anything but the quality of God life that you have promised us. And I pray, Father, that in that process we would be learning, discerning, okay? We've got to learn how to discern, the Lord says, what spirit is operating, okay? And there's lots of applications of that but we need to be attuned to the voice of the Holy Spirit as he ministers grace upon grace to us and learn to reject every other voice. So I pray that over you, church. I pray that over your, your, your hearts this morning, just an absolute revelation and, and washing of grace this morning because you are loved. You're loved forever. You're loved by the King. He will never reject you. He will never turn his back on you. He will never withhold from you. But he'll pour out goodness and love and mercy every day. Amen. Worship team, let's come up and we're going to take communion together. Now, why don't you stand? Are you encouraged this morning? Yeah, awesome. Good. Somebody is up on your feet and um, here. online people, hope you're encouraged too. And uh, so we're going to do, we're going to take communion together and then we're going to take our offerings, part of our worship. Our offering is part of our worship. Remember, you never hear in this church about money before you've heard about Jesus. And uh, we don't ask you to give because it's about 
um, laying something heavy on you. It's about freedom. And uh, if you listen to the Lord, it's not that he'll ever tell you not to give. He'll say, he'll talk to you about how you give. And that's a really important thing in these days is to put our faith and trust fully into, the, into our source. And our giving is just that demonstration of our faith and our trust in God. So Father, we thank you for this, um, this body broken, Lord. As we hold it in our hands, Father, we say thank you for life and for health. Lord, we thank you for strength in our body, strength in our minds. I speak over every single body right now, literal, physical bodies, and we speak wholeness, we speak healing, we speak restoration. Father, we speak against every fear about the things that we feel in our bodies and the twinges and the pains and the aches. Lord, all those real things right now, Spirit of God, minister your healing, minister your life, minister complete and utter restoration in Jesus' name. Amen. And Father, thank you for your, your blood, Lord. Now, this is why we're not condemned, because your blood was poured out. And we drink today, Father, and we, we, we do because, you know, your blood covered every sin. And without blood, there is no, um, there's no answer for sin. There's no payment for sin without the shedding of blood. But your blood, once and forever, one sacrifice has made us holy, the word says. You perfected us forever, it says. So, Father, we drink this morning and say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. <laughs>